The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today, I am honored to welcome my guest, one of my favorite fellow dietitians, Barbara Storper. She is a national award-winning leader in the field of children's nutrition, and what makes her truly unique is that she is the founder and executive director of Food Play Productions. It is a nutrition education organization that brings the power of live theater to turn kids onto healthy habits. Food Play's live theater shows have reached more than 5 million children across the country, And their evaluations show dramatic improvements in children's eating and physical activity habits. She has received a host of awards, including an Emmy Award for Outstanding Youth and Family TV Special. Barbara combines a background in journalism, theater arts, and nutrition to create live theater shows, fun resources, children's books, and videos to turn kids onto healthy habits. Welcome, Barbara. It's it's my pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Melinda. It's a pleasure to be here. I think that because we're both dietitians, we understand that we are so steeped in science and evidence-based research, and we tend to like to share facts, like everything we know. And that works really well for a medical record or clinical work (laughs) or even creating public policy. That's when those traits are really critical. But for public education, Entertainment is really key, and I think all we have to do is learn from fast food and soda companies. They are not using facts to sell their products. So exactly. tell me how you figured all this out. You know, How and why did you choose to weave theater into nutrition education? Well, you really hit the nail on the head. It was back around 30 years ago. I was actually getting my degree in nutrition, and I was asked to give a lecture to an inner-city school in Brooklyn on nutrition to 400 kids. And I was like, a lecture on nutrition to 400 kids? I don't think so. And I was a journalist before I became a nutritionist and kind of horrified by all the advertisements I saw promoting junk food to kids. And I thought, well, if the junk food commercials were so influential and successful, why don't we just use that approach and get kids really excited about eating healthy food? And so when I had that opportunity to do a lecture, I thought to myself, I was really into juggling and street theater and mime and puppetry, and I thought, well, why not do that? So I put together with the partner I had at the time, Steve Schneider, we wrote a show, and we had a ragtag, bunch of props, and we just did this performance the night before. We didn't have a name for it, and we just finally came up with food play. That's perfect because it's a play about food. And we did this performance with juggling and music and theater, and it turned out to be so wonderfully received by the kids, and it kind of was born at that point. And then the school food service folks who had actually asked me to do the lecture on nutrition, they were kind of amazed because during lunchtime, the kids, instead of buying the chocolate milk or choosing the chocolate milk, they chose the regular milk and they ate their fruits and veggies. And so it was kind of like an immediate success in terms of the kids loved it and they actually seemed to change their habits right away. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. As a mom, I know that when I've gone into schools myself, 
I loved bringing puppets and I loved reading <laughs> books and watching children come alive. And I think for anybody, wouldn't we rather be entertained like that? So how did you do the evaluation? We hear anecdotal reports that, oh, wow, the kids are choosing right. better food. But the school food environment has been such a challenge for decades. How did you navigate that? You mean in terms of conducting a real live evaluation? Yeah, sorry. Back when I first started, this was like in 1982 when the USDA actually had money available. It was called the NET program, right. Nutrition Education and Training. And there was actually 50 cents per child that went into nutrition education. So I was working in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island, and we actually were able to do a major study where it was a pre-show and a post-show test where we evaluate kind of the knowledge, attitudes, and behaviors of kids before our show and after our program. And it was kind of amazing to all of us that not only was the knowledge so different, but the actual the behavior was different, at least self-reportedly. And of course, we all know that nothing is perfect in terms of evaluation, but it did show, compared to many evaluations of nutrition education programming, it really seemed to be very successful and I certainly understand why it would be, because it's theater and fun and engaging. And our whole approach is trying to get kids to understand that they're actually being programmed by the f fast food and the food advertising and the, the food industry, and we really want them to outsmart the advertisers. So empowering them with the skills they need to see through media messages was very exciting to them. And then food is something that kids don't really have a lot of choice about a lot of things, and food is one thing they have some choice over in the cafeteria at school and at home with their parents. You know, a lot of times kids are the ones who are choosing what the mom should buy or what the dad should buy or what we should cook at home. So there's a lot of power in kids. And so helping them see the facts and see the marketing techniques and try to get them to see that they can think for themselves using food as the medium, I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, food marketers, as we said earlier, would not be spending millions of dollars yeah. trying to influence kids' food decisions if not for their power on their entire family spending budget. So good for you. And if people want to go to the website, I do want to give out your website. It's simply foodplay.com. And you can get a good idea about what kinds of topics you talk about. I really loved the video that you have showing a tooth that goes into a bucket of soda. Right. And then you pull the tooth, you pull out this, what had been a white shiny tooth, and you pull out this brown tooth. Everybody probably goes, yuck. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. And it's funny because what I, you know, I know we were talking earlier and what I'd like to be doing now. I mean, as much as I love bringing live theater shows to kids, I really want to help our profession and teachers and nutritionists and parents be successful and effective with their own kids and with their classes by incorporating some very basic, simple ideas. The more visual, the better. So we actually have a dinosaur tooth. This is in our shows, in our live shows that we go to schools with. And um, one of the pieces is just to show the 10 teaspoons of sugar pouring out of a can of soda which is a very simple thing that anybody can do with their own child. Just take 10 teaspoons of sugar, put it into an empty can of soda, and have your child try to guess how many teaspoons are in a can of soda. And we do that, and then we create a, a science experiment. We make a soda from scratch, and then we put this dinosaur's tooth in. 
And in 24 hours, and even kids can do this with their baby teeth when they fall out, you can have your child put it in soda. And then in 24 hours and in a week and in a month, you'll see that it starts getting all corroded. And this is not only just our teeth, but our bones and our bodies. And so what I love about food is that it's so visual and it's so you can use all your senses and there's so many great ways to get kids excited about eating healthfully rather than just giving them the facts because, as you know, the facts isn't really what makes people change oftentimes. You have to really find out what the connection is to the person, like why should they care about the food. And so that's what I love trying to do is figure out, like, why should a child care about what he eats? And it's, you can't just say, eat this because it's good for you. You have to figure out the connection. Yeah. I think more recently in our career, and we've both been doing this for decades, which is great because we can look back and see where we were and where we're going. And so decades ago, I don't think anybody was really thinking about how our food choices affected the environment. Right. We were really focused on, well, how does soda affect me and my teeth and my bones? And right. that's important. But now I think with the big sustainability movements and with climate change so real and affecting the future of children today, right. that opens up another great avenue for theatrics. Have you been right. doing any of that? Yes. In fact, early, early on, I was lucky enough to go to school with Joan Gussow, who's really, I think, the most um, pioneer in food sustainability. She was the chairman of the department at Teachers College of Nutrition, Columbia University Teachers College. And everything that we hear about, she started that, like, so that was 30 years ago. And I would take courses in nutritional ecology and all that. So I was so excited to go to school with Joan and learn all about that. So really, in our first show even, I love this example of, I sometimes I say, all you really need to know about what's good to eat can be found in this one example, how an apple turns into a fast food apple pie, or the difference between an apple and a fast food apple pie. And then we go through the apple, you know, everything about the apple is good for us, it tastes good. It has fiber in the skin and has vitamins and minerals, but then when it goes to the apple pie, the skin gets taken off, so there's no more really fiber. It gets chopped up and you add sugar, salts, fat, additives, preservatives, and then you wrap it in a crust loaded with fat, and then you end up putting it into a package. And where did you get the package? You had to cut down trees to put it in the package, and then after you're done with the package, you throw it away, whereas everything about the apple is good for us, and after you eat the apple, you could, what do you have? And the kids all scream out, you have the seeds, <laughs> and what can you do with the seeds? You can plant them and get trees, and so it's kind of like a natural cycle by Mother Nature, whereas the processed packaged food products are kind of like a dead end, you know, it's like one way to the landfill. And we've been using that example for so long, and it's such a simple visual example. And kids are, especially now, I mean, with kids demonstrating for the environment, I love the idea of starting as early as you can with kids because the environmental lesson just is perfect for good nutrition. Right. I love that example. I think anyone who's listening who is a parent who is a teacher, who has children in their lives that they care about, might want to visit your website, foodplay.com, and just peruse some of the resources that you have. You even have free resources. Thank you so much. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, and definitely I would recommend it. When you go to the website, it says free materials, and there's something called Tickets to Fresh Adventures, and those are little recipe cards that are fruit and veggie 
snack recipes that kids can make on their own, and you can print them and print them on cardstock and color them in and make a little recipe booklet, and kids themselves can make the recipes with you or, you know, if they're old enough without you, and it's just a fun thing to do. And we have a lot of videos, too, that are little snippets of our show, and we've created a whole video series because... Really, Melinda, it's been really, I mean, I can't believe that for the last 30 years we've been touring the country with vans from Alaska to New York. It's a lot of work, and so, and its funding is difficult. So in the last few years, we've created these video series where it's like three to five minute videos that a school can just get and show the kids or put on their Facebook page or have parents watch it as a way of getting the information in a really fun way out to more people than mm-hmm. just having a live theater show come. Well, and I don't know how many pediatricians' offices have your videos playing, but it would seem that this would be a great way for That's kids to That's such a good learn. idea, Melinda. <laughs> Good. Well, run with that because I think that any way that we can bring this information to children is great. And what I really liked is the school wellness checklist because so often we're caught in this. We're working parents. We've got kids. We want to be able to do something in the classroom, but maybe we're short on ideas. Or mm-hmm. what do we do like for fundraisers? How can we blend wellness with raising funds for the school? Tell me something. You just touched on this with regard to funding. How is your operation funded? Do you get grant funding? Do schools Mm -hmm. pay? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have like a sliding scale. How does it Mm -hmm. all work? Yeah, it's a great question. And that's someone asked me yesterday. It was great. This intern called me and she's doing a paper and she just couldn't believe there was something called food play because she said, I just want to do something like that. And I said, you know, the biggest barrier really is funding. And um, so much of our time has been spent in our office helping schools find funding. So basically the way we're funded is it tends to be PTO organizations, they're very used to bringing assembly programs to their students. Right. And so that's a great way because they raise money for assembly programs. And what better way to have an assembly performance that's theater and nutrition so they can easily do that with their funding. It's a very easy PTO. Parents love our show, and that's a great way to get funding. Another way that a lot of people don't realize, and I try to link these together, is the school food service director is in a position where I don't know how many of your listeners understand how much is on their plates and how much they're expected to do. It's incredible. So they have so many things they have to do. They have to put the food on the table. They have to order all the food, all the stuff they have to do. And there's all these regulations. So their job is really difficult. And we love to work with school food service directors because we feel like we're really helping them because we're helping them by getting the kids to go for the healthy foods that they're offering. We're helping them because we really promote school breakfast and school lunch so that kids are going to go and get breakfast at school, get their five food groups from my plate every day at their school, and also to actually raise a profile for the school food service director and her staff. We love when they come. We actually have an introduction script so that the school food service director can introduce her staff in front of all the kids because They're working so hard, and a lot of times the kids don't even know they exist. So we want to kind of raise a profile for the people that are working so hard making their food, 
And so there's actually funding. Sorry, I'm getting the long way back to the funding. The school food service folks actually sometimes have funding for nutrition education or for school breakfast. Or There's so many grants right now from USDA for helping the school food service folks promote school nutrition. So that's another great way, and it's great if the PTO group works with the school food service director together and they bring the program. And then there, of course, there are grants, and we've been amazingly fortunate to have some corporate sponsors that we feel good about, because as you know, Melinda, you and I are of the same bend. We just, there are very few companies we'd feel comfortable, but this was Hannaford Supermarkets, who are in five states, and they just, they would bring us to 100 schools in five states, um, because they really wanted the community to make healthy choices. And so we were very happy to be able to partner with them. But basically, I think it tends to be mostly PTO, school food service, some grants. And sometimes folks can ask their local supermarket or their local businesses or actually hospitals and healthcare organizations are great to bring programs like Food Play to the neighborhood of their schools because all the hospitals and healthcare organizations, they're nonprofit and they really have to show that they're invested in their community and they're all about prevention. So if there are any schools out there listening, it's a really great way to try to connect with your hospital or your uh, healthcare organization and say, you know, we really want to reach these kids with nutrition and health. Can you help us? Because we're really both wanting to create a prevention, a really healthy environment. So mm-hmm. let's, it's the perfect match. Yeah. Let me take one break, Barbara, and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Ms. Barbara Storper. She is a fellow registered dietitian, national award-winning leader in the field of children's nutrition. What makes her unique is her founding organization, Food Play Productions, a nutrition education organization that brings the power of live theater to turn kids on to healthy habits. Well, if you look at the demographics of children today, one in five live in poverty. Many of them live in neighborhoods where there's so much gun violence that the parents are afraid to let them outside to play. Or they may have only access to corner stores that do not have the kind of healthy foods that we're promoting. Mm -hmm. So we're in a conundrum as nutrition educators because Some people find it easier to practice what we preach than others. How do you navigate those lower-income populations that are really struggling? Right. Well, first of all, that's just the best question you can ask, and it's something that, as you know, our profession has been dealing with for a long time. What I'd like to say about that is a few things, because I think people don't realize this. One thing is, is that a child goes to school, they're actually eating more food at their school than they are at home oftentimes because they're getting school breakfast, school lunch. Some of them even get snacks and some of them get supper. And so a lot of times people say, why are you talking to the kids? You need to talk to the parents. Mm. But I don't really agree because I think that getting to the kids is really the best thing to do. Obviously, we, we love inviting parents to our shows. And when we can do that, that's great. But I just want to say that for a low-income area of a food desert, all the different obstacles that are in the way, a very rural area, the thing is is that if we can all work together to get the school food service, the school nutrition department to serve what is really legislated for them to serve, which is they need to serve fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean meats, that kind of thing. So what I think we have to realize is that when kids can have a choice, 
let them go for the healthy choice. Right. And that's kind of what I love about food play is we're empowering kids to make healthy choices and encouraging them whenever they can to make a healthy choice. Like they might not have a choice when they go home, but they have a choice at school whether they're going to eat their broccoli or, or they're going to pass it up. And so what I really want to encourage the whole school, the whole spirit of the school is to get behind, wow, veggies are really cool. What are you having? What's in your lunch? What's today? What vegetable can we eat today? I created a whole kit called the Fruit and Vegetable Activity Kit, and it has all these activities and reproducible activity sheets to help kids get really excited about eating healthy. And so I guess the answer, I mean, it's one little answer, which is just that when they can have, when there is an opportunity to have healthy offerings, I want to make sure that they make that healthy choice. So in school and hopefully more and more school food service departments are doing really well. They're having farm-to-school programs. They're having salad bars. So when they can have a choice, let's try to get them to eat the healthy choice and make the healthy choice the cool choice instead of it being the opposite. I remember when I started 30 years ago, the kids would show me a soda. You know, it's so cool. I have a Coca-Cola. In fact, the whole brand naming of food, the whole kid culture of food, the pop culture that has been created in the last 30 years is all about making unhealthy food really cool. And the kids are totally into that. And it gets even into, it's just so upsetting. I mean, both of us feel the same way about the food industry. And it's been really irresponsible. And I think 30 years ago, we could have predicted the obesity epidemic as we see it now. And then here I am in New Mexico now because I've relocated here. I still have Massachusetts as food play and here in New Mexico. But here there's just amazing food traditions. And throughout my whole career, I even went to the Aleutian Islands in Alaska. And it was so interesting because you'd think we really want to encourage cultural food ways because so often those are the healthy ways. But the food industry comes along and says, that's not cool. Eating at McDonald's is cool. So... It's sort of a very complicated cultural paradigm where we have to go and say, you know what, your family's food ways are amazing. They actually had an amazing way of eating, and that is way cooler than going into McDonald's. So it's kind of like in answer to your question, I think the question is there are food deserts, there's all these issues, but kids are often given an opportunity to choose in school or at their child care center for snacks or there's a lot of places where kids actually can make decisions. And so I'm really wanting to encourage kids by empowering them to outsmart the advertisers and go for the healthy foods that are going to be good for their health and good for the health of the planet. And then we also obviously have to work together. What I love about live theater is you go to a school and you get the entire school, all the stakeholders together to see the importance of nutrition. So then all of a sudden everybody looks around, the teachers and the administrators and the moms and the dads and the custodians, and they go, well, wait a second, if soda is so bad for us, why is there a soda machine here? And all of a sudden by sitting together 400 kids in an auditorium and learning all this stuff, they can start using it as a platform to look at their whole school and get excited and say, hey, you know what, that's not really cool. It would be really cool if we had a garden. And that's another reason why I love the idea of everybody coming together and being in an assembly, like in a performance where everybody gets really excited and then they look around and then together they can work together to create a healthier school environment. Yeah. And turning kids into detectives, they already have really keen radar. Yeah. And they are very good at picking up 
discrepancies in what is being taught, what is being made available to them. They see injustice also really well. And I also think kids are just innately concerned about the environment. So, and we know why, why the soda machines are there and why the junk food machines are there. It's because they bring in a revenue stream. And so right. if we can find alternatives, more power to us. And then if we have policy on our side, that gives us even more leverage. So I wonder too, do you work at all with policy and helping schools develop policy and working on a state and national level to make sure schools do get the funding they need? Yeah, that's something that all of us have to do. The whole idea of environment and policy has become more and more part of nutrition, our practice. It's like there's nutrition education, and then there's really looking at the systems behind everything, whether it's the government or the school itself. And I try to provide some resources on our website, but I really do think in terms of what I've been able to do, in terms of what I've been able to do, I think my our food play and the amazing people that have worked with me over the years, I think the best thing that we've been able to do is inspire and motivate people to look around and go, wait a second, I didn't realize, really? The soda companies, there were 10,000 ads per year that kids are watching that are promoting junk food. Eye-opening things to make them kind of, wait, I didn't realize that, and then look around and look at their own environment and then look at the bigger picture it's great if you can get into the bigger picture of why is it that way. For example, I will just say an example, and it's something that I would love your listeners to help us with, is I'm kind of horrified by what I see for school breakfast because there is no legislation or regulation about the content of sugar. And so I went to the USDA and I talked to these higher-up people and I was even representing some of the professional organizations about it. And then I was told, you know what, Barbara, that's not something we should bring up anymore because school breakfast is so important. We can't raise any negative issues about it. We just have to make sure that we have universal school breakfast and that's what we have to fight for. And that's what we fought for. That's what we're fighting for so that every school has the ability to serve breakfast. But I think it would behoove the people in the audience to understand, like, if you have kids at school, to look at what is being served for the school breakfast and to say, you know what, I don't think Pop-Tarts and waffles with disgusting syrup is what we should be starting our kids each day with. I think that it's very much something that kids and parents, parents on a local level, have so much power And the school food service directors have a lot of power, too, if they get together and say, you know, let's look at the breakfast menu and let's make something that we feel better about. Because at this point, there is no regulation about the sugar content. I mean, the diabetes epidemic is huge, and we're having kids start the morning with basically what they're supposed to have is a milk, a fruit, something from the fruit group, and a grain group. And so there's no real protein other than the milk. And... So the companies are creating these very easy snacks that are have grain and have a fruit in them, but there's no regulation on what else is in them. So I'm just very concerned about that. Well, we certainly have the U.S. dietary guidelines that should be guiding all of our meals in schools. And I think that parents and teachers and anyone who cares about children need to be paying attention to this. So I'm really glad you brought up the breakfast issue. We have to close because our time is up. But again, I want to refer people to your website, 
www.foodplay.com. There's even a little printout sheet on how to juggle because there's lots of juggling in food play. There's actually a video. There's a video. You can learn how to juggle using plastic bags. Exactly. And so and bring us to your schools, you guys, or get some videos or resources or free materials. We'd really want to make good eating great fun for kids. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And most of all, I want to thank my guest, Ms. Barbara Storper. She is the executive director and founder of Food Play, a theatrical enterprise for children to help them eat better, live healthier lifestyles. Thank you so much, Barbara, for being with me. Thank you so much, Melinda. 